0: Hello and uh, welcome to the Scott and Loz show, with me, Scott, of course. And me, Lars. And, uh, yeah, an- another another zinger to add to the collection, <laughs> such is my confidence. I'm saying that before we've even got started, but um, I uh, I texted you, didn't I, Loz, about five minutes ago, and I just said, I, I can feel this is going to be a belt of this one. I can feel Indeed. it in-, in my plums. So, uh, how are you, first of all? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm pumped. I'm psyched. Ready, <laughs> ready to go.
1: Uh, I know good. I've delayed uh, proceedings for a little bit. I'm going to make up for that by fucking smashing one in the back of the net. Sonny yeah,
0: kid. I, and yeah, and I'm I'm, uh, I'm sort of back from uh, cu- a couple of holidays really in the past couple uh. of weeks. Yeah, both theme park related obviously uh went went to blackpool pleasure beach um that was a great little weekend it, it did some random stuff like it d- just dropped into the ballroom lars for a bit you know d- didn't <laughs> didn't get involved but it was quite funny just to sit back and have um afternoon tea and scones and watching it. well you, you might have seen some of the footage it was yeah uh, anyway and then a a week in paris went to disneyland yes. went to, spent my birthday in disneyland as i believe one should always do and, um, and then a few days in the city and, um, <laughs> but I'm back. Um, and I'm ready to pod mate. Nice. Well, it's a good job. We're doing one then. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's do a couple of things here, uh, in true spirit of what we're about to talk about, let's crack open a can of lager, cue the jingle and get down to business. <laughs> so. A football. Do you remember the George? (laughs) Do you remember the George Dawes song?
1: Uh, Evidently not. (laughs) Okay. A football.
0: I listened to it before starting it just to get me in the mood, and it well and truly did it, did the job. (laughs) So I'm in that zone. So um, I suppose, well, uh, I don't know where we start really. Uh, Let me start by saying this (laughs) football's. I wouldn't call it my favorite sport. I mean, it's probably the one that I get the the most excitable about. uh, But I think that, and passionate, you know, but I think that's... I can certainly attest to that. I think that solely comes down to my affinity and fandom, you know, for one particular team. And obviously we'll get to that. But in Mm. terms of like neutral viewing, I mean, I I say this, I've just, um, I've got Sky Sports ultra hd being installed next week but again it's not really down to the football i'm probably more of a cricket or rugby league or union man really mm. uh, I, you know if, from a neutral point of view i'd much rather watch say um, sri lanka versus pakistan in a t20 than like portugal versus argentina in the, in the football it's so uh, i don't know i i kind of i can watch it uh, it, it doesn't this is great we've started a podcast <laughs> and sort
1: of well apart from one team I could take it or leave it cricket's more my thing oh yes yes I can feel it in my plums now Hughes fuck me
0: yeah it's um, top <laughs> qual salesmanship isn't it really <laughs> so where, where do you stand on the beautiful game then Lars?
1: um well, <laughs> the irony is I I'm probably somewhat similar, uh in in terms of well I could I couldn't give a fuck about cricket do apologize um uh, rugby much the same bloody egg chasers I do respect the sort of elements of of referee respect to a degree um but yeah no I I love football I when I was a young man particularly I I you know really loved football um, but I feel that might have been because I sort of nestled into a golden generation of football, certainly as, as, as far as I was concerned. I, and I think it goes further than just nostalgia. I mean, for example, the first time I was really, found myself avidly uh, following the football and what was going on, particularly obviously in the Premier League, uh, was 98 with that great uh, Arsenal side with, um, you know, Mark Overmars and Emmanuel Petit, Vieira, Burkamp, Ian Wright. People like that, and it just you know, they just seemed such a fun team to watch, yeah. Um, and and then with the the backdrop of, of the immortal Manchester United team at the time, it was, was a, a great sort of starting point. Uh, and then of course, the World Cup '98, I, I mean, such memories. I, I, I remember at the time, if I could have watched three games a day, I would. And I, I specifically remember, you know, I, I don't want to get into too specifics, but I think uh, it just just to give you an example. I mean, I remember I think it was uh, Germany beat Saudi Arabia about 8-0. And the prime, the, the, the um, I nearly said, the, is it the king of Saudi Arabia? I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. The main man, let's say, in Saudi Arabia, the big up the main man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He uh, he was so disgusted at his team's performance that he didn't let them back in the country.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um,
1: so so yeah. So that that was that's my um, football sort of heritage. I mean, on my mum's side, she don't give a shit about football, but like her dad was a died-in-the-wool Villa supporter, and my dad was sort of born sort of in the Aston area, and his dad was a Villa supporter, and so was he. Um, so I didn't really have a lot of choice. Uh, but we might get back to that later, but yeah
0: but yeah, and and I suppose I want to backtrack a little bit on what I said to begin with, because the thing is, uh, growing up, it took me a lot a while to get into football i really wasn 't bothered for quite a few years and and I have kind of got back to that position today where i 'm not overly bothered about what 's going on outside of um uh, you know, a very specific area of West London, but the, but the bit in between, stopping Hounslow, mate. Yeah, the the bit in between. Um, I've got such fond memories, and I will talk very passionately about. So, I you know, I don't want viewers to think uh, I'm just going to moan the whole way through this. Uh, I'm sure I will at times, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's to do with where we're at today in the ga- uh, you know the game of football, whereas. Um, yeah, there's. I've got plenty to talk about for the um. Just well, scary... I, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I I hate to to cut you off, but but I have.
1: Uh, <laughs> I was I was going to say, I, I, considering especially as we both almost got golden periods, uh, which sounds very bad now I've said it. But you know, golden periods of memory for football. You get your minds out of the gutter, you filthy animals. Have you got uh, you know uh, a a one particular player who you were like th- this bloke? At least the fucking
0: tits. But I would be delighted to talk about like some of my favourite players. I'll try and keep it to like say three or something. Um, there's me regimenting it already. I was, was going <laughs> to
1: say I said one, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but
0: but when, when am I ever going to be able to narrow it down to one? Um, yeah, this
1: is very true. You and your honourable mentions, bless you.
0: So, w- what I would say is, we talked for sort of a bit about like you know growing up and you know first being introduced to the game of football. And for okay, me, okay. it was kind of you know when I was I was in Lancashire. I'd say I was about seven or eight or something like that. And Euro '96, you know, circa that era was when oh, I first yeah. started becoming interested in football. Uh, whether that was kind of peer pressure or not, I don't know, but. um mm. But I did very much get into football at that stage. And of course, uh, you've already mentioned the Manchester United sort of class of 92, was it? Mm. So those were like the big players, you know, Cantonar, Giggs, etc. Um, but by far, my favourite of those players, uh, and putting being subjective aside, I think objectively, I'd say he is one of the greatest players of all time. It's Paul Scholes. Ah, uh, uh, yes. A, an absolute wizard of a player. um ginger ninja. Yeah. and. Um, and and I loved the kind of the juxtaposition of his style of football because he was so graceful, you know, with, with the ball at his feet, you know, and um, the likes of Xavi and Iniesta and stuff at Barcelona, like, idolised Paul Scholes. But then at the same time, I've just got such comical memories of Scholes just, like, ploughing into players, you know, just did not know how to tackle whatsoever. And, um, and these days, you know, he'd probably hold the record for most uh, bookings and, and red cards. But back then, I think it was... It, probably sort of fair to middling in that respect. But just, I've got such funny memories of Skulls steaming into challenges and looking completely the opposite of the cultured player that he was when he was actually yeah. in, in possession of the ball. And of course, some of the absolute belters that he has scored um, goal-wise and stuff down the year. So of course I'd name Paul Scholes. Um mm. I would possibly say, uh, bold comment, here we go. Um, seven minutes in or whatever it is. I genuinely think he's probably the most gifted player the Premier League has ever had. Ooh.
1: oh, I mean, you, he's definitely fucking up there. You can't deny it, but People that talk is about, a bold statement.
0: Yeah, but I, I only say it because I believe it to be true. Um, Geeks <laughs> is, you know, the most decorated player, I think. And, um, of course, you talk about Shearer with his goal scoring and, and, I don't know, players like De Bruyne now, you know, deserve to get mentioned in the same breath as Paul Scholes but I genuinely think his all-round uh, a, a genius of a player really was mm-hmm. and the, you know the other players that I would name um, again I think were just sort of gifted genius artists god that sounds pretentious but like so I would say Matt Letizia <laughs> of course yeah doesn't get mentioned enough you know it, with, with the pantheon of the greats you know and just I, I, he didn't really play a great deal for england if i remember correctly but mm. what yeah, a player like do um, you
1: remember england b because i swear i saw him play for england b once and i was just like what the fuck is
0: england b i couldn't give a fuck about england a most of the time to be honest well, yeah. <laughs> um, but i don't remember him playing really for england at all but and of course i love him for the fact that he he stayed at southampton throughout his entire career and again you know i talked about um, you know the the barcelona famous tiki-taka, whatever it was, heralded as probably the greatest domestic football team ever. Mm. Quite possibly, rightly so. And they adore Matt Letizia. And again, I love that because they grew up watching the Premier League and, and in its early years, he was one of the main men, you know, like mid-90s. He was... Some of the mm-hmm. goals he was scoring, he's just... Um, I, I'm going to say it, criminally underrated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and criminally forgotten, you know? But... Uh, if I had to name Loz my favourite footballer, right? I don't think you'll be too surprised. <laughs> Gary Pallister, <laughs> yeah. Um, and <laughs> and what I love as well is, that, I guess we'll sort of talk about like playing football, or at least I will, because of course I did play football a bit when younger, and I've got such fun memories of that. So I want to try and talk about that at some point in this. But sure, there was a conversation when we were at Sickform, like in the common room, and uh, likening us two actual players so (laughs) uh, and I was I was so proud genuinely to be compared this was the player that they said yep he's the guy that you resemble the most Scott with your football Dennis Bergkamp I, I, I can't tell you I can still remember like how that made me feel as bizarre as that might sound because he is for me probably my favorite player Uh, And and he falls into a similar bracket, I think, in some ways, as Letizia and Scholes. Similar kind of style. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to waffle too much about it, but just, you know, if you watched a highlight reel of Dennis Bergkamp and Letizia and Scholes, you'd probably see similar traits among the three and you'd be like, ah, okay, that's why Scott, he just loves this type of player, you know, this mold Mm. of player. And Bergkamp, I think, is probably the one that I would say is my favorite footballer ever. Sure, sure.
1: You, you you love a bit of tackers, you do, don't
0: you? Yeah, I love technical players, yeah. And it doesn't get much more technical than those three, really. No, sure.
1: Yeah, Unbelievable no, tackers. T- 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 totally right. I mean, um, as you say, Scholes is a, a one hell of a player and uh, one I always, always regretted that they, they didn't manage to uh, gel into the England team so well. But yeah. I think I think really, you know... Not well, they played him on the left wanna... wing, didn't
0: they?
1: Yeah... Not that I want to particularly focus on England because, I mean, there's just so many negative memories there. But um, I really wish that they could have integrated him into the side more. And But I, I do think that behind the scenes, this sort of Manchester United-Liverpool rivalry, I think almost managers of the past might have done well to be like, OK, we'll pick Manchester United players this year because out of their crop, they've got the better team or, or likewise with Liverpool or whichever because, you know, I do I do think their domestic rivalry hurt the, the team because we had some cracking players uh, that never seemed to sort of gel together. And I, and I think, honestly, when the whole year round you're being taught to sort of hate and despise these players and, you know, want to do them over and, and humiliate and embarrass them, probably you're not probably going to gel that well with that person. And so. it's,
0: it doesn't it seem comically pathetic to label, you know, the golden generation who, who won nothing and got nowhere near winning anything. Mm. Um, and you had some incredibly talented players, Lampard, uh, Gerard, Lampard, mm. Gerard and Scholes, unbelievable players. And I think any, you know, regardless of, I, I wouldn't even say bias really over them being English. I genuinely would look at it impartially and objectively and say those three were incredible players quite different and I, I can sort of understand how they wouldn't fit into the same team but yeah mm. yeah it's quite amazing really that we had that at our in our arsenal at the time um pun intended because there wasn't any arsenal players in there in the <laughs> but um yeah just just got d- achieved fuck all quite frankly yeah
1: right um, I think the the best outing I saw them have was was uh, France 98 because I don't think they ever uh, other than the recent Euros, I don't think I ever saw them go much further. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, one thing I, I just wanted to mention before it, it drifts out of my own consciousness is is I, I'm i pretty sure you would agree with me here. But just thinking back on some of the uh, England players, I just feel like us as a nation are so desperate for success with the national team. And I, and I think also the league is, is such a big deal for who's going to win the Prem. I think there are so many good, young, talented English players that have been, you know, almost hustled into playing too many games early on and then having a crocked career. And I mean, you, you might almost go in and look at a player like Wayne Rooney, who realistically, he was done by 31.
0: Uh, Rooney was a great example of like d- just being two different players players in his career you know the, the explosive mm. Wayne Rooney that like burst onto the scene with that famous goal for Everton and I don't know if you remember his debut for Man U but it was in the Champions League against uh, yeah, like Br- Brondby or someone like that and just mm. like one of the best hat-tricks you'll ever see and yeah. um yeah like was quite an incredible player and I, um, I remember
1: his first goal for Everton with the uh, with with the great um you know lobbing seaman wasn't it
0: uh, it was that turn and strike that went in off the underside of the bar. Mm. And, and yet the commentator was, remember the name Wayne Rooney? You know, and yeah, uh, and, yeah every, everyone well, he, did. He, he practically retired, the great David Seaman.
1: And I, I did feel uh, great empathy for him. But, you know, it's when, when it's your
0: time, it's your time. And another incredibly gifted player we had who just sadly went completely off uh, through injury more than anything else was Michael Owen.
1: Uh, yes oh definitely i i
0: really rated owen you know in the early years and then he he did his knee badly didn't he and just was never quite the same and and i know that that extra yard as it's referred to was a big part of his game you know he was very quick. of course it was um and he he was in some ways a bit like the brazilian ronaldo in that respect he was so quick Mm. um with and without the ball and stuff Uh, but i mean let's
1: face it if he'd been a racehorse they'd have brought out the shotgun
0: yeah. But I mean, in terms of England, uh, we may as well stick with England for a minute here. I don't know how you feel about our chances. But in I the mean,
1: world. So, sorry. So also, I mean, players like I always thought Jack Wilshire was a, a real talent. And I mean, he just seemed to, you know, have one big injury and then watch his career fizzle away. I remember seeing players like Joe Cole came in and, and was, you know, really seemed to be well regarded within the camp and never seemed to get that sort of, String of of uh, games together to sort of prove his fitness, and, I, yeah. and again, I, I feel like he fizzled away. Well, Joe, at-
0: Joe Cole scored that wonder goal against Sweden that everyone remembers, and it was a wonderful mm. goal. And and um, Jack Wilshere, as sad as it is, I do have to laugh because he's obviously known as Jack Wheelchair these days. Oh, um, <laughs> oh. but like he, um, but he, he, I'm pretty sure he he bowed out and retired, didn't he, within the last six yeah. months? And yeah, that genuinely is sad. You know, I really feel for him there because, mm. yeah, again, very very talented player.
1: And people like Theo Walcott, I, I remember I, I, with you watching Theo Walcott score, I think a hat trick versus Croatia, and the the pair of us sitting there just like this this guy is going to be a key guy. I think for he England. scored
0: four in that game, and oh, was it four? <laughs> yeah, But yeah,
1: he had his days, but did he really have the impact that he should have? No, and I I I do think that's something that needs addressing. Is you know when we do get talented players. Uh, perhaps it's time for for people to stand up and go do you know what no they shouldn't be playing 40 50 60 games a season I know it's it's ridiculous you know we we've we've all bemoaned the the massive wages that these players are on but th- th- these are also you know 18 nineteen year old lads and they they need protecting otherwise you know they they're going to be crocked, aren't they
0: yeah um, and so there's the yeah, I suppose let's stick with England for a bit longer here, and this is where I will have a moan, I'm sorry to say. Um, yeah. I mean, so Gareth Southgate has frankly fluked his way through two major tournaments, and that's probably the only reason he's still there. I mean, if you look <laughs> at the frustration. No, it's true, isn't it? I mean, for Christ's sake, we got past uh, Colombia on penalties, you know, in, in the World Cup, and. Just, I, it, I'm, been, I'm sorry, Matt.
1: I, it, it, I think he deserves a bit better than he's fluked his way through. No, but still, he can, still he can uh, fuck uh, off. I'm
0: sorry. It, it's been, <laughs> it, it's been individual talent on one, of, you know, two occasions that have made up for his uh, lack of tactical nous. I feel, and what really frustrates me, Lars, with Gareth Southgate, and, and I, I have to say something else rather bold here. He's quite possibly my least favorite England manager of all time. Uh, the, the, only others ah. I can, the only others I can think of that come close are Capello and... Um, Steve uh, McLaren? Steve McLaren, thank Sh- you, yeah. Surely,
1: the wally yeah. with the brolly.
0: Yeah, they're, 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 they are on the podium, but I do feel like Southgate certainly annoys me the most. And it's I, I'm certainly not alone here. <laughs> Maybe I am. Yeah. What really bothers me about Southgate is his his staunch opposition to picking players based on form. And mm. uh, so, uh, whilst we're talking about possibly my least favourite manager, let's introduce probably my least favourite player, Harry Maguire. Right, and again, I am, <laughs> I am not, oh. al- I am not alone here. Harry no. Maguire um, quite beautifully embodies everything that's wrong with the modern footballer. He, he. It's not his fault that like he earns a ludicrous, uh, astronomical wage. Right, that is the fault of other people but the ego that is quite obviously there uh, and then of course you know he recently like scored against he, he, I'm not the only person who's been criticizing the man that that's clear uh, and of course yeah he scores a goal against San Marino or something and, and then just knee slides to the towards the crowd cupping his ears as if to say right, well I've proven you wrong haven't I I've just scored against San Marino it's like. <laughs> I genuinely can't stand the guy. I I do think he I has a tell. I I think he has a modicum of talent, but I think he is nowhere near good enough. What frustrates me with Southgate is that he continues to pick those players. Uh so I don't know how many right backs we're going to see in the in the World Cup squad, but we we know that Southgate comes from a, a defensive mindset, you know, having played in in that kind of position. But yeah, frankly his refusal to pick so I mean the Ivan Tony is one thing. You know, that Tony is mm. is is on fire at the moment so he rightly gets called up to the squad doesn't get I, a. I i start i
1: start to see where
0: the problems with southgate might start well <laughs> i'm doing my best to remove all bias here but uh, i i just think it's ludicrous to call tony up and to not play him now i, I can understand yeah, where
1: i completely agree with you there completely agree why bother calling him up with, with the form that he's in and then not let him get a kick. Yeah, and what? of course,
0: Southgate's uh, riposte is to say, well, I just want to ingratiate him with the squad and see how he gets on. No, give him some minutes on the pitch, for Christ's sake. We were playing a couple of virtually meaningless games, as far as I'm concerned. Most mm. international games are, really. Um, the and international both outbreak.
1: disappointing results as
0: well. Yeah, and I think, and and also, I, I genuinely think, in Ivan Tony's case, that he could play on the same pitch as, as Kane, you know, in the same team, yeah, because, yeah. but Southgate's position, default position, is to only have one up front as a target man, and the thing with Ivan Tony is, of course, I'm going to praise him, but I think he, there's so much more to his game than people, I think, actually realise, in terms of his defensive contributions, and uh i mean his penalty taking is another thing i mean he he scored every single penalty for us i think it's 20 out of 20 or something ridiculous mm. his conf— he just oozes confidence and it frustrates me that players don't seem to get played based on confidence in the team i mean if i'm sticking with brentford i think rico henry would deserve to be called up but perhaps sure, he's sure. not playing for a fashionable enough team but again we're sticking with like luke shaw and <laughs> i just
1: yeah. I, can, can I can I speak in the man's defence? Because it, it, you know, frankly, I, you're not wrong. That that's the last thing I'm trying to say here. But um, for for me, I I don't think it's my background. I would say because I I've you know resigned my Villa fandom for many years, but. I don't. I don't think it's my Aston Villa bias that means that I dis, I don't dislike Southgate as much as you do, and the fact that he's not holding back to anyone that I particularly care about. But I don't think it's just that for you. Um, for me personally, one of the things that I'm willing to tolerate more about Southgate is I think he is trying to, in some respects, trust the players more, and I I do kind of understand especially at the time he was appointed, how we got to the situation of I'm going to trust players that have done well for me before rather than perhaps try new people. Because it it is undeniable, unfortunately, there are flashes in the pan in football. Um, I remember, you know, this is unfair to pick him out necessarily, but someone like a Louis Saha who had a great season for Everton got signed to Manchester United and wasn't piss poor, but... In, in terms of Manchester United's quality, uh, it, it wasn't worth the money they paid, you know. And I, I think th- th- there is definitely something to be said for that sort of, this is England, this is a core group of players, and to try and sort of keep that unity together. Um, I, I must admit, I, I think we all felt that frustration during the Euros that, it, it it seemed like when uh, against italy in the final that we needed to to push on after an early goal and instead we sat back for the inevitable goals to come against us and we lost
0: um and i think um uh, it's about to get political on the scott lodge show ladies and gentlemen i it, it, i i see a i see a conservative politician somewhat in gareth southgate uh looking out for his mates doesn't seem to be willing to, to listen to anyone and he doesn't have to listen to anyone let that be clear you know he is the manager uh, mm. the buck stops with him he makes the calls uh, it's not that i want him to be swayed by public opinion but it doesn't seem like he he's open or receptive to any of that sort of thing and uh, this might sound churlish but again s- somewhat similar to um well this has been recorded on the day that someone has just walked out of office number 10 uh, the shortest ever tenure you know as a Mm. prime minister and and frankly in southgate's case i it might sound churlish but i i would not mind a dreadful showing at this world cup to get him out you know and i think i and i look at two managers i would love to see uh i I appreciate it's a poison chalice somewhat but actually Mm. i think these two managers would genuinely go in and make a, a, a really solid impression and, and achieve the, the things that i would love to see achieved but they've both taken up recent positions and uh, you know doing quite well and one, one is eddie howe uh, yeah with, that was
1: the first name that came to yeah, mind for me
0: and then the other one i've completely forgotten his name uh former brighton now chelsea uh graham Potter, right
1: Graham Potter, yeah, yeah. Uh, who
0: brentford you know got a very respectable point off yeah uh, last night uh, <laughs> probably should have won the game if i'm being honest but I'd love to see those two in charge. I think that would be the positive brand of football based on the kind of ideals that I hope to see represented in our brand of football. And frankly, people talk about Steve Bruce and you know managers like that, and dinosaur oh. tactics, dinosaur tactics. Well, I'm sorry. For me, Gareth Southgate is the epitome of that. And that's the last time I'm, I'll say the man's name. Now, I apologize. <laughs> uh, enough, uh, okay. enough, enough said from me on the England football team. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. Um,
1: do you considering how you just absolutely smashed uh, old uh, Gareth Southgate? And you know, fair enough. I mean, I think it's, it's, there's a lot of people who still haven't forgiven him for missing that bleeding penalty. So, um, oh, see, yeah, that's the one. fan then. So I couldn't give a monkey. Yeah, but, um, I'll, I'll
0: have I'll completely have his back over something like that. You know that's yeah, that's kind of again. That's not me trying to just be contrary or you know um, argumentative or whatever. I I feel for him there. I really do. I still feel sorry for him over that. Yeah, whole thing. yeah.
1: No, I, I don't. I don't think you you know unfounded in in your your comments, but um, I, I don't share them a hundred percent certainly. Uh, but as as we've given someone a bit of a lashing, do you have a particularly uh, a manager that you are fond of?
0: Well. Uh, i I suppose I'd have to if I'd have to differentiate here between objective and subjective because if I'm talking objectively, then of course I think of Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, immense respect to both of them. Uh, but in terms of favourite managers, I, I do think Brentford have had a good uh, line of, of managers, and I've kind of. Uh, particularly now, uh, you know, I'm not going to waffle too much here, but I, so I suppose I'll just talk about our current manager, Thomas Frank. Mm. I'm sure I'll talk a bit more about Brentford and how I got into supporting them and stuff like that. But for now, I'll just say with Thomas Frank, he's he just oozes, like, um, class, sort of dignity. Everyone he is seemed-
1: an eccentric, though, isn't he? That's also... Highlight
0: like that. Yeah, he is very much so, and he is love or hate, I think. And but but those who seem to hate him, it does seem to have stemmed from nothing other other than just like uh, we we beat that their team in the game, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like it's quite amazing sometimes that the things people will throw at Thomas Frank, and, and I think he's one of the managers who truly has respect for all opposition and managers, and mm. uh, certainly commands the respect of other managers. There's certainly not a manager out there that dislikes Thomas Frank, you know. And the, the Sky Sports Pundits love him because he speaks so openly uh, and he he really goes into he, – he's I, I talked about Stephen Wilson in the last one, Dinner Guests. You know, Thomas Frank, I should have invited him, quite frankly, because <laughs> he, he, he's so present in an interview. He gives his absolute consideration and all to every answer. And he is fascinating. Mm. Like, you, you go off, ladies and gentlemen, and watch an interview with Thomas Frank, and I think you'll see immediately what I mean. He, he's such an open person – and very respectful I feel and last night funnily enough um, the game was on Amazon Prime and they did this quite unique thing where before the game they had Frank and Graham Potter together being interviewed pitch side and it was enthralling as you can imagine because these are two very very astute managers who um, uh, come across very well you know they speak very er eruditely and stuff and and they were they were interviewing each other for for a segment, and it was just fascinating, so yeah, I'd have to say Thomas Frank in terms of my favorite current manager. Mm. Um, I absolutely love the guy
1: yeah he's a, a a quirky little football goblin, isn't he? um That's certainly you know I could just imagine him sort of uh, living in living in the cave somewhere <laughs> yeah and, and he's um... renowned,
0: and, and he's renowned for like swearing on air, which <laughs> like you don't <laughs> often get with a manager, but it's you know when we got promoted and fair enough you know, but it just yeah. And then the way he apologised for swearing on air was equally hilarious. I just think he's an eminently likeable guy. And again, I'm removing as much bias as I can from that statement.
1: No, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. I've I got a lot of time for Thomas Frank. As you say, I, I think he speaks very well about the game. Um, so I was trying to. Uh, sorry, go on.
0: No, I was, I was just, just batting it over to you, Squire. You know, I want to hear uh, which managers you've got respect <laughs> and all love for, you know, down the years.
1: Well, again, I I think on the one hand, if you're, you, you know, I think objectively you can't you can't dismiss Sir Alex Ferguson, and
0: um, uh, but Guardiola as well. You know, got to mention him for his tactical stuff. I think he's got to
1: yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and and Man City play some great football, and I, I I really don't think it's because I have, you know, what I call it a United sympathy, but um, there's just something a bit sterile about. Guardiola, uh, I, I, don't, I can't really describe because they own uh, a shame. You know, they they play some beautiful fo- football at times. Uh, you know, I, I mean look at them this year, absolutely tearing it apart. At the time of editing this podcast, Brentford have just beaten Man City 2 1. But I, I, if you give me, you know, a billion pounds and, and make me the chairman of a, a football team and tell me I can recruit any manager in the world, I'm going for Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, that that's uh, and and even so, as much as I do like old Jurgen, much like yourself, if we're going subjective, frankly, the more I'm I'm searching my memory banks, I'm going Ian Holloway.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely love Ian Holloway. Yeah, and again, uh, uh, he is refreshingly open and honest, isn't he? And and just can you imagine? Mm -hmm. I I would if you're talking managers that I would love to have been a player in the dressing room with. Absolutely, Holloway is up there, isn't he? That's yeah.
1: yeah. I, I, funny bloke as well. I mean, um, wasn't he the one who was talking about Ronaldo? And he, he was like, he's got great feet. He's great in the air. He's got great pace. Let's just hope he's hung like a hamster.
0: <laughs> yeah. And um, I've I've forgotten the actual name of this manager. But of course, everyone knows the anagram of his name, Colin Wanker. As uh, uh, Neil Warnock. No, that
1: is the first time I've been introduced to that particular anagram. Thank you, Hughes. Really? No, that yeah. is a
0: genuine anagram of his name, Colin Wanker. And, Colin um, Wanker! Yeah. But uh, Neil Warnock, I'd love to have been in a dressing room with him. I mean, he is one of those people that sometimes has the kind of quote-unquote dinosaur football leveled at him. But mm. um, I love seeing an interview with Neil Warnock. I really do. it's uh, and um mick mccarthy as well is just a funny character i don't know if i would like playing for the guy but he's just a funny character you know? yeah
1: I, I i think behind closed doors that warnock would be a bit of a taskmaster and i always took um uh what was the second one mick mccarthy mick mccarthy thank you i was gonna say mckillroy and i know it was wrong um, And, and uh, I, uh, I liked bit... mick mccarthy in interviews but i always thought he was a bit of a a bit of a soft manager, almost. you know what I mean?
0: I wondered if you were going to say "bit of a bastard" there. The, the, only, reason I, <laughs> but the only reason I say that is because in another uh, another splendid podcast that deals with football, uh, Atletico Mince, they do a piece on Mick McCarthy, and all he ever says is "bastard." You know, it is <laughs> Bob Mortimer doing an impersonation of Mick McCarthy, and he's just throwing that word around. And it, this is a bastard. Uh, Bird's eye potato waffles. Yeah, Not a person, but still bastards. You know. <laughs> But um, yeah, do, uh, do listen to the rest of this podcast before you go off and check out Athletico Mints, but uh, I would recommend it wholeheartedly. Bastards! Shall we wrap up part one? Uh, go and urinate and um, reconvene. Let's wrap it up like a fajita and then bung it down your gob. And that sounds like we're in the same room and we're going to go and urinate together. That's not the case. Uh, I'm in Birmingham. Loz is uh, in sleepy Drake's Borton. But, I mean, we, we urinate together in spirit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, we do it on FaceTime, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> right, back in a minute. <laughs> 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 and welcome back to part two. Um, welcome! Uh, and I, I would say second half, but it's going to go on longer than that, isn't it, mate? Let's face it. Isn't it? So, <laughs> well, what should we go to next? I, was, I Part of me wants to go back to early days of knowing football and the kind of growing up, because not that it was a um, particularly prestigious career, but, you know, I did have a, a few years of, like, high school when I was playing football. <laughs> and, like, and of course, I was never more in love with football than when I had that, like, Sunday game to look forward to every week. And uh, it started a bit before I met you, Loz, uh, when I lived in Yorkshire for a year or so. I was quite good at football by that point, and that was when I first, like, played for a team. And it was amazing, you know. The, like the feeling of scoring into a net is, is something that uh, I've probably tried to achieve with various narcotics down the years and I've never been able to do so. <laughs> and um, like in high school in particular, so with it being Pershore High School and with me living in Pershore, then it probably won't knock your bollocks off for me to tell you that I played for Pershore Town for a period of time.
1: Mm.
0: And um, I remember my debut, you know, I, I was brought on and it was like up front. Scott, you're up front, and that was what I was hoping to hear. You know, uh, those two words gave me such excitement. You know, and um, and I remember missing an absolute sitter. Oh, and this this was on the main Pershore Town pitch in front of it's, it. wouldn't call it a stadium, but it's got a stand. Yeah, which, yeah, it's, yeah. Got, it's got a stand which could hold probably a couple of hundred, I'd say. Mm. And uh, and yeah, I missed an absolute spurned a glorious sitter. You know, in front of a reasonable amount of people, and. The manager there, uh no other way of saying it, a complete cunt. <laughs> and, and um we didn't get on I think um this was around the time uh I don't know, I think I probably just had a bit of an ego really, but I didn't really get a look in there and I moved from Pershaw Town to Drake's Broughton Football Club. Mm. Uh a stones throw literally from Loz's house, really. Yeah. And I that was my those were my best times, you know. In terms of football playing we had a great manager we really did he was the the father of someone who went to school with us and and was also in the team um god rest his soul had a heart attack a few years ago and tragically died but like he was such a larger than life lovable person to, to like to, a person to work for as it were like I've never enjoyed mm. work you know like working for someone and um I shouldn't say this in case my current employer is listening but <laughs> no I mean it's different really isn't it you know because yeah 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 I've, I've never enjoyed you know like kind of working for someone more in that respect because it was football you know and, and it was a um, labor of love wasn't it yeah and basically we played Drake's Boughton, uh sorry we, uh, when I played for Drake's <laughs> Boughton we, um, <laughs> I was going to say that was an interesting fixture. <laughs> yeah. Um, rewind. Uh, we played Pershore Town, uh, who were in our same league, West Midlands Under 13s League or whatever, mm. um, every Sunday on BT Sport. And yeah, it was um, we played Pershore Town. And of course, this manager, who I didn't like particularly and didn't seem to like me, was still the manager of Pershore Town. Awesome. Uh, and he'd kind of thought no this guy's not good enough up front so yeah we'll drop him and I just left went to Drake's Borton and I'll never forget the game for two reasons. One, the scoreline nine-two, uh, mm. with with yours truly scoring five of the nine goals, oh. uh, and a couple of them being some absolute long-range screamers. Uh, but the thing I'd say with that is, of course, with the height of the goal and the height of a thirteen-year-old, um, you could aim it, frankly, anywhere. You know, central, and if you got yeah, it, yeah. if you got it in that kind of two-three foot gap between the crossbar, you'd score. But yeah. you know, I'm probably doing myself a bit of a disservice there. They they were, they were a couple of screamers in there. And um, and my father came up from London to watch the game. I can't remember why, but he filmed it as well. So I've actually got that on tape, on mini DV, probably up in the loft somewhere. And I've I, remember- I think I've seen the footage. You know. And I remember, of course, dad committing the, it's probably a bit harsh for me to say cardinal sin, but he wasn't really looking at what he was filming. He was holding the camera, but looking, you know, at the game through his eyes. And subsequently, some of these goals you don't see properly because he's not following it with the the camera, Mm. uh, which is kind of frustrating. But I have to put that aside and be like, well, thanks. It's it's not like
1: match of the day. You don't get a nice replay at the end, do you?
0: No, and so, yeah, and, and I moved on from Drake's board, and I was actually poached or, or headhunted last mm. for, for Peopleton FC. Peopleton, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, someone came to watch me playing for Drakey, and um, Peopleton was, was a really good side. You know, had some some very good players in it and were, were like sort of at the top of their league or, um, you know, always competing for the, the title. And, uh, yeah, I went to Peopleton, played it up front for a bit, scored, scored a couple of goals there. Um, I've still got somewhere. The newspaper cuttings from... Um, those days and there was like a, a, a I remember something about a sweet left footer or something like that I, <laughs> no. I mean I wasn't going to dig them out for this podcast my ego is not that big but I, I would like to try and dig them yeah, out. I was, was going to
1: say stop having a wank <laughs> I, think, <laughs>
0: uh, I think dad's got them but yeah it's important to say I'm looking back on this stuff with just fondness rather than any real vanity you know it was <laughs> it was like it was Peopleton Village Football Club you know. Yeah yeah but, but we were alright you know we, we went on a tour to Brixham and, and competed in this big tournament met dave bassett you know he presented me with some trophy and stuff so that was as far as the limelight went for me but i've got really fond memories of looking back on it and then um, frankly people it got to the point where i think we were about 15 or so and 16 i'll say 16 for legal reasons i'd started smoking by this point and yeah. and someone came in to take over people and frankly you know iron fist mentality and um, I remember his first session, he brought in this professional fitness coach, ran people into the ground to the point where people were throwing up on the pitch. And they I kind of identified me as someone that necessarily wasn't enjoying it and taking it that seriously anymore. And I was basically handed the ultimatum of, well, it's smoking or playing for Peopleton Football Club. And, and at the time, in, in, in a way, I still stand by it. I thought, well, fuck you then.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm not enjoying it here. Uh, I actually enjoy smoking more than this. So... Mm. That, and yeah, that, I, that was kind of the end of my footballing career, really. Yeah. But I was quite happy for it to be so. I'd gone through the period where it was utterly joyous to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got great memories of that. Thankfully, it's it's preserved, you know, on mini-DV footage and in newspaper cuttings. And that's, I'm happy with that, you know? Yeah. And, and it was also around the time my knees just gave up on me as well. I've had no end of problems with both of my knees, to be honest with you. So I wouldn't have been yeah. able to continue really playing beyond that. So... Uh, that's that's enough. Uh, your, knee, your knees are infamously fragile. Yeah, so uh, that that let that put an end to the the self-adoration segment of this the the Scott show that it became there for ten minutes. I just <laughs> wanted to kind of talk about that stuff, and, and you must remember that a little bit, I guess, Lars, because um... well,
1: funnily enough, I I think. Almost the entirety of your Drake's Broughton career, I didn't know you particularly, and I think, but I, it's so funny because I remember you specifically telling me about quitting Peopleton, and we were stood waiting to go into the boys' changing rooms against that awful sort of like creamy textured wall they'd got there, and you were like, basically, mate, he's a fucking prick. <laughs> and you were like he gave me the the ultimatum it's it's smoking or play for people (laughs) and you went fuck you I'll smoke then
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it sounds ridiculous doesn't it but I mean is it any more petulant than what Cristiano Ronaldo did last night yeah oh
1: it was it was it was so you um, as you say it was it was just an authority figure going it must be this way and you went
0: no yeah. And it, ultimately that it came from nothing other than honesty and integrity on my part. And, and it came from the heart and I made the right decision, you know, as ridiculous as it might yeah. sound. Um, uh, don't smoke, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. But um, I did. And um, I preferred it at that stage to playing football like that. You know, the fun had been taken out of it. And I think a lot of people agreed, you know, by that point, the fun had been zapped out of it. And yes. um, um, it was like almost that classic competitive father, you know, uh, not that my father was like that. He was always constructive, you know, with any criticism of me. And I, although I probably felt a bit hurt at the time or something, if he gave a, a damning assessment of a, a performance or something, I think it, I can now look at it and say, well, it came from a different place than I thought it did at the time. Yes. Yeah. So uh, sticking with kind of school days, I suppose in some ways, I want to talk about like, so Brentford, Right.
1: T- oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Can can I can I just strike my own ego for a second? Because I know I didn't play for a, officially for a team, but there are a few moments where I was, I, I remember fondly. Um, yeah, please do. So basically, as I say for myself, I ne- I never officially represented a team, but I have certain in my brain highlights. Um, which 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 just borders from you know the divine to the ridiculous, but you know I'll, I'll let you choose which uh, end of the scale that is. But my my first ever memory where I was just like, oh god, I love football. This is fucking brilliant. Uh, we were playing on the the, the school ground. This is Drake Sporting School, and I believe I think it was probably I I want to say it was year six years versus year five or year five versus year four or something it was was us versus the the younger side and at the time i i I will say this now i i was horrifically bullied during my time at, at, at drake's broughton school this was one of the few times where a i felt the support of anyone else in my year and b it was one of the few times i was actually allowed to participate in football because I'll tell you now for free uh, one of the things that I I often come back to when I think about some of the the dark year, years in uh, Drakes Broughton was if I tried to join in the football they would kick the football at me until I walked away What? so um, yeah yeah a lovely time uh, but let's not dwindle because it's not about you know we've got a mental health podcast down the down the way let's not let's not get into that right now but yeah basically it was it was horrific but, uh, yeah. but at, the, at the time, they were like, right, it's, it's you know, year sixes versus year fives. Come on, Los, like, you know, let's have them sort of thing. And naturally enough, uh, I was sort of renowned as a bit of a goal hanger because I'm a big lad. It meant I didn't have to move <laughs> on that much. Because nah, what you wanted stay to do outside. was four. Yeah and i guarantee you if i'd have gone down the pitch that no one had, would have ever have passed to me so at least if i was up the front then if someone hit a shot that got saved i could just have a poke at the goal <clears throat> and you know see if i i i was you know scored a couple of hat tricks like that <laughs> Yeah. But this this one time in particular we we were playing the uh, the young year and they were particularly sort of you know, we can have you like you. You know, you ain't got nothing like really like up for it. And I, it was, it was you know hardly Glasgow Rangers versus Salzig, but it was it was big news for us, right? And and a heated uh, <laughs> derby, and I think there was a, a a fair few sort of nasty challenges going in, but basically, unbeknownst to us, it was a, the the end of break was looming. And I remember one of the dinner ladies being like, we'd have to hurry up, lads. It's, you know, it's, it's the last couple of minutes. Uh, just as I think a corner came in, um, one of their defenders sort of headed it out. And I, it just dropped plum for me right smack in the middle of the goal. And I just remember thinking, if I can score this, and it, would, it was the winning goal, right? And I was like, if I can hit this, dead on, <laughs> we win the game. <laughs> so it dropped just beautifully for me. And I remember there was a lad in, in goal. Um, I think it was Adam Adam Hinchcliffe. Oh, yeah he, yeah. he was always quite good in goal, I remember, at, certainly at the time. Uh, so I was I was chuffed to have beaten him. Anyway, I've, I've connected with this, and it was one of the only times in my life I have ever managed to hit one of those sort of like... When you know when you hit it hard but true, and it just sort of like it doesn't even it doesn't even touch the ground, but it just like flew along the floor. And I just remember him seeing me hit this ball and he threw his hands down. It still wasn't quick enough. And they just like flew through his legs and into the goal. And like there was just me with my arms in the air, just like,
0: yes.
1: And no. Because it was the winning goal, I had people diving onto me from like, all sides, and we were just all this writhing mess of just like, "Yes, fuck you, lot. Yeah.
0: Oh, you're <laughs> never gonna forget uh, something like that, are you?
1: And and for me, that was my FA Cup. Do you know what I mean? Like that, to, I scored the winner, and um, that was the my first,
0: pretty much my first football memory. And that's amazing. It, it's,
1: it's, it stuck with me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet it did. Like, that's, that's fantastic. I, I love that you can still remember that. These moments in life should never be forgotten.
1: And there was a, another moment that wasn't quite so celebrated, but still I, I remember playing him. And I'd ended up, someone I think had, had taken a shot and it had backfired against somebody and it had just rolled through. And it was Kieran who was in goal. And right. one of the defenders went to tackle me and he went, no, no, no. He said, it's Loz. See what he's got. And I went, oh, okay. And he went, come on, Loz. And he, he just started like coming towards me a little bit like, you know, like jigging side to side. Just like, what's he got? What's he, what you got, Loz? Come, come on, come on. what you got? And I, I just remember like very, very slowly, like, dribbling towards him making sure I had full control of the ball because I was like I'm gonna fucking have you son and I I I think at the time I even did a step over just to like fuck with his head a little bit (laughs) and like a couple of players went to stop me and he was like no 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 let's let him have the shot and as I say I, I I did this step over and he went to rush and as he rushed I just toe-poked it through his legs and into the goal. And he's just like, he's fucking negged me. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I just, I, I really celebrated that because I was just like, he was so confident that I was never going to put it past him. And I think he was county goalkeeper at the time. And I just, you know, so effortlessly made him look a fool. So, um, also,
0: I sadly, I don't really have like any particular goals that I remember scoring above any others. But I mean, yeah, particularly when I was at Drake's and that was when it all clicked into place and, and I scored like, Thirty something that season, and mm. uh, and I got the players' player of the season award, and and that, that yeah, was of course a, you did, yeah, that was yeah fantastic. But I, yeah, I don't really remember any particular goals. I, I can kind of remember some, but yeah, there's there's not one that like leaps ahead of the others in terms of being my favourite that I've scored or anything like that. I think one thing we've got to talk about at some point in this pod is like favourite goals or just memorable goals, you know, that people have scored because um, that that was easy for me to think of some. But oh sure. Well I mean we could uh, we could talk about oh, that now. Let's go for or... it now. All right, yeah, fuck it. yeah, all right. Uh have you got any in mind? Cuz I have. I, I wrote a couple down actually so I didn't forget them.
1: I I I've definitely got a few, but at the same time whether or not I've got 5 is is another thing. So It doesn't it, have to
0: be 5, but why don't I like reel off some quick mentions? Okay. Um, I don't have
1: uh, to be that quick, but
0: yeah. As like, well, yeah, I just love a mention, don't I? You um, do, honourable well, or otherwise. Uh, so I, I've not really got a definitive like top three or something, but there there are some I'm looking at here that are like, well, I prefer those goals, so I'll save those. But I've got to mention him again. Paul's goals. I mean, yes. Uh, and there's a couple of goals of his I remember. One is that it's from a corner against Bradford. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, I cannot fathom how he scored that goal. I, I think there's there's a few, a handful of players in history that would have connected with the ball like he did there, because mm. uh, he it's it's sideways on, isn't it? And he just hits it, leathers it, quite frankly. But the yeah. thing, but the thing with skulls is like, he th- there's so much power in the strike, but I don't think it's that he's trying to fucking bash it into space. Yeah, he, he just connects truly with it you know mm. and and that's the technique don't worry about like uh, power just strike it true you know and, and it will do the rest yeah. and mm. so that Skull's corner against bradford where it just swerves into the bottom corner like utter perfection and if you're talking about skulls volleys the one against villa has to get mentioned as well headed
1: out by mccann oh! paul skulls
0: The, yeah. one, the one that cannons in. I mean, quite frankly, Lars, you and I will be long dead and buried, and that crossbar will still be shaking.
1: <laughs> that's uh, just
0: silly. And um, the, and the one he scored against Barcelona as well, which I think he admitted to miss hitting, but I, I don't know if that's just him trying to be modest. Is like he? Do you know the one I'm on about? The skulls oh, against, ba- against Barcelona in the Champions oh, League. It's It was like the goal that that sent United to the Champions League final, I think, and knocked out one. Wow. And it knocked out the Barcelona, you know, and the classic era of like Messi, uh, um, Xavi and Iniesta and stuff. Mm. It's just he takes one touch and he manages to like almost chip it slightly with his touch. And what that means is it, it takes a bounce and he can hit it on the volley. It's I don't know whether he meant to do it or not, but just, I mean... I bet you he did. I, I expect you to uh, go off and YouTube all of these goals. Like, if you don't do it, <laughs> if you don't do it after this recording, uh, I'm sure you'll do it when you listen back to the pod, like down the line. Goals versus Barcelona. And um, whilst we're talking about goals that cannon in off the crossbar, I've got to mention <laughs> Tony Yoboa. Um, oh yeah, Yoboa. On he goes. Oh! Yeah, he scored two notable ones, didn't he? One against uh, Wimbledon and one against Liverpool. Again, please do Google Tony Iboa. Um You're welcome. <laughs> and then, um, I, I, yeah, do you want to do you want to name a couple, and then do you want to alternate? How do you want to do this, boy? Well,
1: I mean, um, there's several goals for me that were that were big for for various reasons, but mainly because they were just fucking awesome. But um, when I was thinking about my favourite goals ever, I remember vividly England versus Greece. And England needed a win, and it was a dull fucking nil-nil draw. And... They were clearly going to sit on the game and 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 choke it out so that you know England would draw and they wouldn't go through. Yeah. And I remember I was on my bed staring at the ceiling, just like they're not going to fucking qualify. Great, great. <laughs> I remember I even I had punched the wall, um, the ceiling, and and made a slight dent. That such was my frustration at the time. And we got a free kick, and they were like, right, it's David Beckham. It's all or nothing. <sighs> Beckham could raise the roof here with a goal. I don't believe it. David Beckham scores the goal to take England all the way to the World Cup Finals. Give that man a item. And it was the most beautiful curling free kick. And the goalkeeper at full stretch had nothing on it. Yeah. Oh.
0: And it's always satisfying when the keepers rooted to the spot, you know, and just watches it oh, go. Oh yes. In. Yeah. And and funnily enough, I saw something recently with Beckham where I think he said that was his favourite goal, you know, like mm. the eagle. And God, by the look on his face, it, it, it ought to have been. I, I can't really think of any England goals, to be honest. I, I, there's a goal against England which I'll mention. But oh, sh- it, surely that Michael Owen versus Argentina.
1: It could be a way here, Michael Owen. He's got goals with him, but it's still Owen. Oh, what a goal!
0: This 18-year-old has electrified the world. He, yes and no. Just agree with me. Yes and no. Uh, <laughs> lovely, lovely first touch that set him on his way. Uh, took it in his stride and could keep his pace, you know. And just hey, it, hey, how, how about Gaza? Gaza versus
1: Scotland, Euro '96. <laughs> That is,
0: that's a fucking hell of a goal. That is, yes. Uh, there's a goal I'll mention that's better than that in a minute, Um that's, that's, <laughs> that, that's similar. Uh, now, I can't really think of any England goals. Oh, Berkey. Sorry, Dennis Bergkamp. Uh Well,
1: uh, because that was a, a, a similar goal versus Newcastle, almost. You know, the looping over the defender. That 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 was one of mine coming up, but I just. Ah, so fire it
0: sounds it sounds like two goals have been confused and uh, entwined there. Uh, no, and... they, no, they haven't. No, because I, I'm, I'm,
1: I I I I was going to do a double header of Dennis Bergkamp and one being versus Newcastle
0: and one being versus Argentina, Argentina. the
1: Dutch national team.
0: Okay, well, yeah, I'll mention one of those two goals as well shortly. <laughs> uh, don't, don't know why I'm saying shortly. We could just mention it now, couldn't we? Um, but uh, no, in fact, going back to what you were saying there. I've got another goal that's similar, right, to to that, to the the Argentina goal and to um, the Gaza one. And, yeah, there's two Brentford goals I want to talk about briefly. (laughs) Now, one is is Sergi Canos, who, quite frankly, I've been quite frustrated by um, for... He's a really interesting one, Canos, because he is a blowhard. You know, it leaves nothing out there... He's blood, sweat and tears and he has got the love of the Brentford fans and he loves Brentford, but he is equally frustrating at times as well. Like I'm, I still haven't forgiven him for a red card versus Leeds on the final day of last season. As <laughs> petulant as that might sound, it was just so incredibly annoyingly unprofessional that I haven't quite mm. let go of it just yet. But but he <laughs> scored this goal, Loz, for us and it was actually... So we we had him on loan from Liverpool. Um, no, I, I thought I'd heard of him before... Brentford, yeah, and and before Liverpool, Barcelona, he was on their books. But anyway, we had him on loan from Liverpool, and he scored this goal during this period. He then later went off to like Norwich and stuff like that, and then we actually signed him properly, and we've still got him now. But he scored this goal against Reading, where very similar to the Bergkamp Argentina one, um, long ball, and his first touch takes it over. The, the defender completely mm. takes him out of the game and then the second touch like cuts it inside takes another defender out of the game and then he just sort of kind of leathers it but in a controlled fashion on his wrong like his weaker foot into the corner
1: well then uh, back inside to a woods Nice ball over the top to Kanos. Kanos into the box here. This is promising. Sergi Kanos on his left foot. Oh, yes. Oh,
0: yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. What a goal from Sergi Kanos. That is goal of the season. Um, To this day, the fans sing about this goal. It's quite funny, really. Like, Kanos has been um, injured and not playing for ages. But in every game, you hear the crowd going, Hey, Sergi Kanos. Ooh. (laughs) <laughs> I want to know how you scored that goal. And I just, I love the fact they're singing about this goal that was scored about seven years ago. But like, <laughs> yeah. But, but that's football fans for you. Yeah, I know. You've got to go off and watch it. Sergi Canos versus Reading, guys. Um, There's another Brentford goal. Like, so, you know what you were talking about with the the satisfaction of the Beckham free kick, right? Yeah. Just how good that goal felt. Right, well, my favourite goal that the the goal that I've probably perhaps in some ways like loved and enjoyed the most or got the most satisfaction out of is a Brentford goal. And it's probably one that's long been forgotten by even many Brentford fans. Um but it's Neil Mope versus Aston Villa um back in the championship, let's say four years ago or something. And it's hard to describe what made it so satisfying. Basically, Loz, was very similar to the context of yours. It was nil nil. It was destined mm. for a draw, and this goal was in about the ninety fifth minute, right? <laughs> and 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 I love goals where like it's kind of three touches from a player, and it but like three touches of perfection, like mm. um, just uh, to concisely kind of create the opportunity and then bury it and the canos one versus reading i've mentioned is is one of them um and this neil mopo one is definitely one as well it kind of comes into him he sort of feigns taking it on one foot but then has the strength to hold off the player and like let it roll further so he can take it on his left so like one incredible little move that he does there and then like he then takes this quick touched with the outside of his boot to knock it onto his right (laughs) to set it up for the shot and it's quite messy, like the way he does it because he just quickly takes this touch and it's too quick for the defender you know it's it's hard to describe but we've all seen Messi do it countless times where he takes this next touch so quickly and creates the space for him to then basically bury the the shot in the sort of top side netting, keeper doesn't move. And it's just it's three touches of absolute perfection. And uh, then obviously, throw in the context of the fact that I don't think there was anything particularly riding on the game. Obviously, it gave us three points when it looked destined for one. But Mm -hmm. like, just if you search on YouTube, because I did this earlier, it's if you said that the video to watch is called neil Mope from all angles which i know might suggest something rather untoward and different but no that's the one you want to watch because it's the it's the brentford official youtube channel and they've uploaded this goal and shown it in all its glory from all the angles ben rama Mopes on the away from Elphick. it's Mope! it's one of those that a lot of people would say is nothing special, but it means something to me. I remember the satisfaction of seeing that goal go in and I remember how I celebrated that goal. And I don't think I've ever celebrated a goal more than that. So I had to mention Mm. it.
1: Yeah. I want to mention it was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I, uh, oh, isn't that fucking annoying? So yeah. So as as I was going to say, I have to give some time. uh France 98, uh, Burkamp versus Argentina. I, I remember very distinctly just the uh, 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 whether it was the announcers or whether it was me somebody being like, you know, oh he's, he's not going to do a lot from there sort of thing. And just as you say, fir- first touch over the bloke, and then before you know it, he's rifled it into the net. And you just how how the fuck did you do that? It's basically
0: um, three perfect touches, isn't it? He like yes. he takes it down in his stride with his right foot, and then before he's even like got his footing. He's cut mm. it inside again with his right foot. And then it's, I, I love a goal that's scored with the outside of the boot that like yes. swerves in. And that is the greatest of its kind. And I think th- there's kind of two goals that I could look at side by side. One's an individual goal. One's you know, not an individual goal. And for me, like that Bergkamp goal against Argentina is, is the greatest sort of individual goal for yes. me it really is and and it's made all the better by the famous commentary the dutch commentary Lars, do you remember no was it for frank de boer frank de boer speelt de bal heel goed naar dennis bergkamp dennis bergkamp dennis bergkamp let de bal aan dennis bergkamp Dennis bergkamp Dennis bergkamp Dennis bergkamp there's bergkamp It's an unbelievable goal, and people point to Bergkamp's goal against Newcastle, where he takes that weird touch round the player and then turns the other side and goes round the player. Um, it's it's incredible, really, what he does in that goal. But um, I, I, yeah, I'm with you, man. Bergkamp versus Argentina is just in a league of its own, really.
1: And as I say, there's there, there, there's I I you might disagree, but I think it's a similar goal. Um, the one, I know it's coming from the other side, but the goal versus Newcastle where he's sort of juggling the ball and he loops it over the defender and then sort of like shimmies past another defender and slots it away. And you just, you know, it got absolutely no right to score that goal. It's Bergkamp.
0: That's magnificent.
1: You know, uh, I always used to love uh, Gianfranco Zola. Um, yeah, I remember very specifically there, there being a goal that I, I'm, I'm literally, you know, this is pure memory, but um, I, I swear him, I, he got it just on the edge of the box and just, you know, I think it was Schmeichel in goal and he just managed to curl it, absolute top corner, nothing you could do about it. And I was just like, well... Who who else could really pull that off other than Zola? There there were yeah so so many great players in the Premier League. Uh, I mean, I always remember the Rooney overhead kick against Man City in the uh, the Manchester derby. It defies description. That that will stay with me. What uh, a spectacle that goal was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember Van Persie for United against Villa.
0: Oh, my God, yeah. That was the goal that Ferguson said was the best United goal in his tenure. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah what well, oh, well, just a just beast. Talk about a perfect connection. It's beautiful. Mm. And um, a- another perfect connection... Is one that like, I talked about there's a goal against England which which mm. has to if I was talking objectively ha- it has to be in the one of the best goals ever scored ever by anyone ever and it, it, and of course if you haven't gathered it's Ibrahimovic's bicycle yeah of course it is yeah like, that is that that still astonishes me to watch that back i i can look at other goals that are technical marvels you know and, and be like well i know how he did it sort of thing but like with Ibrahimovic that goal i still don't quite know how he managed to do it, like how he managed to connect with it in that way, get the pace on it it was the the placement of it like how can he have i mean of course, there is to some degree a bit of an element of luck, you know when you go into a bicycle kick, you are leaving it up to the gods to some extent, you know mm. you, and so yeah, technique of course plays a part, of course it does it's well it, it's solely down to the technique, really, but you're still. Not 100% sure where it's going. That There's still a lot of hope involved with a goal like that, isn't there? But that goal just blows my mind. Um, it really does. Well, speak, speaking of goals that blow your mind, there's sort of a bit of a double header here.
1: Uh, both Cristiano Ronaldo efforts for Manchester United. Um, the one, I believe, I think was... I think it was a 40-yarder versus Porto? Yes, Um and- that, that just being one of those where he'd hit it so hard that it just seemed to race into the net, despite it being so far out,
0: you just, Jesus fucking Christ, Albert. Oh, no. I remember going to a pub and um, to watch that game and we got there late and we'd missed the goal and and i remember someone would just being like mate this is goal of the season and i thought well i've heard that come out of a drunkard's mouth many a time in a pub mm, dummy yeah. and then when i watched it i was like oh probably is goal of the season yeah <laughs> and what i love about it as well is that the, it was so far out that the camera angle like doesn't show it properly because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know what i mean don't you? it, it zooms in on him striking it and then mm. and then like yeah th- there's not a proper replay of it being scored like where it's actually shown for him from him striking the ball that's how far out it was what a connection yeah. uh, sorry but, I completely but, stole in there lost what was No that?
1: no that that's okay I think you're you're probably better at the the anatomy of the goal than I am anyway so that's that's good
0: and what was but, the other one was um, it the free kick against Portsmouth Portsmouth yeah yeah that's yeah. the one all right probably the greatest free kick um that I can think of in terms of just Power and placement, and technique. I'd
1: never seen the ball move like that. It just you—you you i was so aware that he must have hit the ball. It's such a, an incredible, you know, a ferocious smash that the bladder
0: inside was making it do all sorts. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's—I—I, I, it's astonishing that goal. It really is. I, I, funnily enough, there's a there's a Man U goal that I want to talk about, um, which is sort of individual brilliance. It's not Cristiano Ronaldo. It's not Wayne Rooney. It's Andy Cole. Oh yeah. Now Andy Cole is someone that um often gets remembered for for missing. <laughs> like the amount of goals that he scored obviously incredible but like he was quite famous for missing a lot as well. But this goal um is unbelievable and it's the sort of thing that Bergkamp would do. It's and you talk about like sort of three touches of perfection. You know, perfect touch, perfect touch, perfect touch back of the net. He scored a goal circa, I'm going to say 99, because I think it was that season, because that was when, if you remember, Luz, they had the kit that had the the really thick black and white trim that went down the sleeves. It was. I'm sure it was the 99, so that, that would be the treble winning season, wouldn't it? Basically, yeah. it is on YouTube because I checked earlier. It's not a goal. Oh,
1: oh the, the, it's that was the, the kit that Giggs scores that famous goal against Arsenal.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And what, I'm sorry, what a goal that was. But yeah, yes, of, please do continue. Uh,
0: so it's on YouTube. Like I said, I've checked uh, Andy Cole versus Coventry, right? And okay. basically, the, the, it comes in, he wins a header, it falls to him, and he, like, you know, sort of kills the ball, and it – he's like on the edge of the box and he could sort of shoot or lay it off with his left foot. But what he does is he kind of feigns shooting and cuts it back onto his right. And at the same time, he like, because it's a dummy shot, the defender commits and he sort of takes him out of the game. Right. And then no sooner has he done that, he basically performs the most delicious chip you will (laughs) ever see scored. I, I genuinely think it's the best chipped goal. I think I can think of it's, and he does it so quickly, like it's cut inside chip before anyone knows what's going on. Mm. It's sailing above and beyond the keeper. And to make it even better, Lars, it goes in off the underside of the crossbar. It's No one talks about this goal, but like Andy Cole versus Coventry, 1999, Oh my God! What a goal! <laughs> and um, and I've just noticed we've got like t- two and a half minutes before we get cut off. So is it okay if I just quickly talk about what I feel is the greatest goal ever scored? Oh, go on! Yeah, and and this for me, I've I've just talked quite passionately um, about some goals, but this right now to to search this goal, you're actually already doing a disservice by by doing so. And the reason is this is the greatest team goal ever scored as well as being the greatest goal ever scored. But inevitably you have to search the person who scored it to like get to the goal. Mm. So it's, it's, a, you know, it's a bit unfair to call this goal Wilshire versus Norwich.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, but you're going to have to search it to see what I mean. And I, I've talked a couple of times about like Barcelona circa 2005 ish, 2010, you know, when they were on that incredible plane of like, um synergy and the one touch passing right but presumably they've seen this goal and i can't think of a scenario where they didn't just shit their pants at how 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 good this goal is and how it somehow arsenal you know when the stars align everything fell into place with this goal and it's, I can't remember everyone that's involved in it. I know that, oh no, uh, I know that, um, oh, Giroud is involved in it and a few others, yeah. but it's just, it's perfection. Like, and it almost brings a tear to my eye to see this goal. <laughs> <laughs> like, people talk about the beautiful game, right? And I often think that's a little bit pretentious, but like, oh, this, this is that, you know, if you were talking about football being beautiful, it's this goal. Hmm. It's yeah, one it touch, one touch, one touch. A couple of flicks before anyone knows what's happened, it's in the back of the net, and you have to—you you could watch it ten times and you don't quite know how it happened. Yeah, you couldn't—you couldn't defend it. It—it it just happened. It's perfection. It's footballing perfection. It's the greatest goal ever scored. And I'd—I'd I'd love to talk more about it, but we're about to run out of time. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> chip chip chow.